Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Buckeye Talk previewing week two of Ohio State's schedule. Ohio State versus Arkansas State. Interesting matchup as we work through this Ohio State schedule game by game, week by week. And we are joined because my, my Arkansas State knowledge, it's not non-existent, but it's minimal. So we found the best guy, the biggest expert we could find. He's Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And he's the Arkansas State beat writer. And he's busy. He's got things to do. He's got a life. He's got a career. And he said, ah, I feel sorry for this Ohio State guy. I'll jump on the pod. Mitchell, thanks for your time, man. You're the one that should feel sorry for me. I, I had to watch a 2-10 and 10 football team last oh. year. So hot. No, no, Coming on hot. Yeah. Hot. yeah. It's, just, it's just how it goes, you know. Look, I, I, I granted, granted, I, I came from uh, a school where football was not too good. Uh, that'd be Duke University. We do have basketball, but uh, so I'm used to bad football. But uh, last year was definitely a, a an interesting first full uh, Division One football season to be covering. So I will say, I mean, Arkansas State is a really interesting program because Arkansas State has been really good. And Ohio State's played some Sunbelt teams before. They had Troy up here uh, a couple years ago. For you guys who aren't Sunbelt experts, App State's in the Sunbelt now. Watch out for them. There's some really good football being played there. And Arkansas State is, is, was not playing it last year. But they have been a program that over time has been a 10-win program. You look back at uh, 2011, 10 and 3, 2012, 10 and 3, a number of wins since then, 8, 7, 9, 8, 7, 8, 8, and then a fall off, 4 and 7 in 2020, 2 and 10 last year, Mitchell. What is the fan base like right now? How are Arkansas State fans feeling? Because this has been a really good team. Like you said, it has been a really good team. And I think that has the fans anxious, frustrated, uh, ready to get back on track. Like you said, the Sun Belt is a really competitive league. You've got a bunch of teams now that are not just, you know, group of five good, but, you know, nationally legitimate. I mean, I can go down the list. Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana, Billy Napier was there now at Florida. Coastal Carolina, they were a team that's been on the national stage. Um, Appalachian State, like you mentioned. Those are just some of the teams. And then you're bringing in uh, a new team in James Madison, who has been really good at the FCS level. Southern Miss, who has been good at times. So there is a lot of depth in the league. And I think it's probably now the best group of five league. And so the question is, can Arkansas State get back to where they were 
six, seven, eight years ago being the top team in the Sun Belt. And so I think that has the fans really eager to see what is to come in the second year of the Butch Jones era. Can they start to get it back on track and get it back to where it was uh, not even, you know, basically a decade ago? So it's been a really interesting run of head coaches at Arkansas State. Hugh Freeze, there in 2011, only there one year, goes 10-3, and leaves. Gus Malzahn, there in 2012, goes 10-3, and leaves. Brian Harson, 7-5. and They finished 8-5. and He left before the bowl. They go 8-5. and He leaves. They had three different head coaches who all then made jumps from Arkansas State. Then Blake Anderson comes in there. Blake Anderson's there for seven years and then eventually goes to Utah State. That's why Butch Jones is the coach last year. But four and seven in the last year of Blake Anderson and Butch Jones, two and ten in year one. You guys know Butch Jones, one-time Cincinnati coach, then went to Tennessee, had been an analyst for Nick Saban before he got back into the head coaching game at Arkansas State. Did Butch Jones kind of get left an empty cupboard? Because that was that was the worst year of Blake Anderson was the last year. It was also the COVID year. Did Butch get into a tough spot or what happened last year? I think you touched on two of the things with Blake Anderson. The other thing which we would be remiss to not talk about is part of the reason why Blake Anderson isn't here anymore. His wife, Wendy, had a battle with cancer, died. uh, And at that point, Blake Anderson decided that he wanted his family to have a clean start. That was part of the reason um, on top of the fact that he had been at Arkansas State for a long time and, uh, like you said, it had started to fall off, I think that was a combination of reasons why he decided he was not fired. He decided to step down, essentially, from the job and take a lateral move moving out to Utah State. And in a lot of ways, I think the combination of COVID and a lot of the stuff with Blake Anderson's no one's ever actually said it, but I think there was definitely a set of factors that led to things being really barren. Uh, Arkansas state did have uh, an experience, you know, they had an experienced quarterback um, in Lane Hatcher, who's someone who is no longer with the program now transferred out to Texas state, but was an experienced guy had started out as a preferred walk on at Alabama and then came home to his home state. But outside of that, there was not a lot of depth on either side of the, uh, the offense, the offensive and defensive line. Um, and they're just, you know, like it was a team that really lacked guys and Butch Jones had to do a lot of work in the transfer portal. Some things worked, some things didn't. And I think slowly, but surely this off season, we're starting to see the plan that Butch Jones is trying to put in place here, but he's been very consistent that, using the phrase, it's a work in progress. And so the team that is this year, I don't think is going to be necessarily what Arkansas State was in the middle of the 2010s. But I think you could see flashes of the team that is going to be there perhaps next year or the year after that and looks like the old Arkansas State. What what ideally does Arkansas state want in a head coach? Because that, that period where they had three head coaches in three years, Hugh freeze, good year at Arkansas state goes to old miss Gus Malzahn, good year at Arkansas state goes to Auburn. Brian Harson, good year at Arkansas state goes to Boise state. Then ends up winds up replacing Gus Malzahn at Auburn eventually. But then Blake Anderson comes in and is the guy for seven years and settles that down. Butch Jones is now a head coach. Not that he's, 
on the way down, but he'd been at Tennessee. He'd been an SEC head coach, and it didn't work. It's exciting to have guys leap from your program, but that's also hard. That's no continuity. That's no stability. Do they would they prefer the next Blake Anderson, the guy who's going to be there long term? And do do people think Butch Jones is that guy? Or if it's like, well, hey, this guy used to be the head coach of Tennessee. He's pretty good. He just was working with Nick Saban. We'll take him. And even if he's a short timer, this is good for Arkansas State to have a guy like Butch Jones in charge. So the timing of that question is fascinating that you asked that on this very day, because just yesterday I was up in Jonesboro for the announcement of Arkansas State's new athletic director, Jeff Purinton, who came from Alabama after working under Greg Byrne um, and had been there since 2007. So I don't really know what the long-term direction of what Arkansas State wants. Uh, Hugh Freeze was hired, I believe, just before Arkansas State's – now they've had – they had an athletic director for 13 months before Purinton. Um, and then before that was Terry Mohajer, who's now at Central Florida. And Terry Mohajer did the hiring, including of Butch Jones. So I don't necessarily know what the long-term theory is, but Terry Mohajer had a great run at Arkansas State in terms of hiring Gus Malzahn, bringing someone in as a head coach, um, a high school head coach in state, bringing him to Arkansas State. He got uh Brian Harson, like you said he got Blake Anderson and then he hired Butch Jones who had been out of the head coaching job for basically three years at that point when he came from Alabama after winning a national, couple national championships there so I think the long-term trajectory uh is not necessarily clear I'll be curious to see uh there's a few open hires you know spots not necessarily at revenue sports but non-revenue sports so I'll be curious to see what Arkansas State's new athletic director does. But Butch Jones has, you know, he started his career, like you said, um, at Cincinnati. Before that, he was at Central Michigan. So he understands how to be a coach at a group of five school. And there's a chance that he doesn't, I mean, I've never specifically asked him about it, whether he wants to go back to an SEC or a Power 5 school. But there's a very good chance he could be here for a long time. He seems like a good fit uh, now that he's settled in. I think he wasn't exactly sure what he was getting into when he started last year, but he seems very comfortable in Jonesboro now. And so maybe that is the guy for the long, the long haul. And if it is, I think they're on the right track. But like you said, it's got we'll have to see what the on-field results are this year. Um, before I can definitively say, yeah, but Jones is the long-term guy at Arkansas State. When you look at the Sun Belt, Arkansas State's in the West Division with Louisiana. Billy Napier has been great at Louisiana, parlayed his success there 13-1 and one a year ago, 8-0 in the conference to get in the head coaching job at Florida. Billy Napier is a real dude. Um, in the East, Appalachian State, Georgia State, and Coastal Carolina, who's been an AP Top 25 darling, the past couple of years, bringing a lot of attention to the Sun Belt. And again, Troy has been a good program. Uh, historically, they've had some really good years. Is there any reason that Arkansas State can't be the best team in the Sun Belt in terms of resources, in terms of recruiting territory, in terms of the tradition, in terms of the stadium, in terms of the commitment of the fans? And when you think about Coastal Carolina or Appalachian State or Louisiana, can Arkansas at it, Arkansas State at its best 
hang with those programs? Or is that heyday of consecutive 10 win seasons a decade ago? Was that a little bit of an of an outlier? I don't think it's an outlier per se. Uh, you look at the facilities that Arkansas State has, they are right up there. They spent about $30 million uh, on a facility that opened up about three years ago. So they are, they've, they've spent the money to do it, and they're committed to the program, uh, the football program especially. I think they are committed to Butch Jones. Um, you know, he's very well compensated. So all those things, I think Arkansas State has the resources to do it. The question is whether they can – I don't think they the, – I, I think to answer your question, I don't think they will dominate the Sun Belt again the way they did, and that is because of those other programs have really caught up. Coastal Carolina, like you said, I think Louisiana has the ability to sustain what they built under Billy Napier. They are, you know, they're transitioning to his assistant. There are other programs. There are new teams coming into the league. And I think the league is only going to get more competitive. Part of what the Sun Belt did in terms of conference realignment this year was not part of most of what they did in terms of realignment was because of football. They have committed themselves to being a football league. And I think these schools that are part of the Sun Belt understand that. And so to your question of whether Arkansas State can be dominant again, probably not. Can they be right up there? Absolutely. And I think that, Butch, what I what I do, what I what I'll give Butch Jones a lot of credit. They did a really, really good job on the recruiting trail this year. They had, you know, one of, if not the best classes in the Sun Belt, one of, if not the best classes in the group of five. They've done well in the transfer portal. And we can talk about some of those guys in particular, but they got a bunch, pretty much all their guys that they brought in from the transfer portal were power conference guys. Uh they got a got a defensive end from Alabama. They've brought someone from a now a now converted linebacker from Tennessee two years ago. Uh, they got a safety who started out Alabama was at Illinois. Um, those are the type of players that they're looking for here because they believe that they can compete with those schools and they want to try to get those type of players. And so developing a recruiting plan has been something that has been very much a focus of Arkansas state in trying to really hone in on certain things. And I think, if, I think if they do that, they have the ability to be right there at the top of the league and you know do that for a long period of time, just like they did you know a few years ago. All right. So that's good. I mean, it's 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 fun to to play teams like that, right? I mean, that that Arkansas State like cares about this stuff and wants to be good, and it is a really good football conference. I Ohio State obviously plays a lot of teams in the MAC. I'm I'm glad when they get out and play some teams like this in the Sun Belt. And this is a game. This is just what Arkansas State does, right? Last year, the non-conference was Washington, big game, lost 52-3. to 2020, Arkansas State beats Kansas State. That's a nice win for Arkansas State. 2019, 55-0 to Georgia. 2018, 57-7 um, to Alabama. 2017, 53-36, really competitive. Loss at Nebraska. 2016, 51-14 to Auburn. 2015, 55-6 to USC. They've played... Miami, they've played Oregon, they they go out, they they play a game like this every year, right? It's part of what Arkansas State does. Well, we mentioned Terry Mahaja early, and I give him a ton of credit because it's not just who they've played, but it's what they've gotten paid to play those games. Mm. If you go back and look 
he got some exceptionally good deals. I think I think going back to that Alabama, that first Georgia game, uh, I think he got uh, a million and a half to go play at Georgia, one point seven million to play at Alabama. Last year at Washington was uh, a million and three quarters. This year, Ohio State one point eight. They play at Oklahoma. I don't know the contract for that next year, but then they go to Michigan in two years, and that's another one point eight million. And those are. For a even for a group of five school, those are huge, huge sums. That's a budget. I think they were talking about the budget yesterday being about forty million dollars. You know, versus Alabama, that's one hundred and seventy. So when you take think about you know close to two million dollars out of a forty million dollar budget, that is a significant, significant piece of the revenue that Arkansas State brings in each year. And so all the credit in the world goes to Terry Mahajer for setting up these games and giving them a chance to play really high-level opponents. And, like, it's – even if you lose, you know, like, it's fun, right? I mean, it's it's fun to do people – like, will, will people travel for this to say, hey, I want to go see so Ohio Stadium? You know, so it's a, a nine-hour so drive, 600 right. Jonesboro. That's the thing. So, I think last year was the exception going to Washington. Yeah. I'm not quite sure – that you can sell Arkansas State fans on making that trip. I did make that trip, um, but there were not a lot of uh, Red Wolves there. So okay. when you look at the schedule, though, like you said, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State's only a nine-hour trip. Michigan is a destination spot. I know Ohio State fans don't want to hear me say that. I've been, I have not, I've not been to uh, Columbus, but I have been to Ann Arbor. So uh, Michigan's a great place to go watch a football game. Both lovely. Both lovely. Uh, Both lovely. But uh, same same goes for same goes for going to Norman next year. That's only a five hour drive from Little Rock. Um, probably a little bit more from Jonesboro. So those are the types of trips that Arkansas State should be going on. I don't know about going up to Washington, but you got to go where the money is. And yeah. they've they've made those decisions. But you know, scheduling these types of games are the games where you're going to get fans to go. And then, like you said, you know, if you can be a little more competitive, like going and knocking off Kansas State, going and playing a really good game at Nebraska, then you're really going to get fans to travel. I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know how many tickets you could get, but you're going to, if, if you're going to be in competitive games against big schools, the fans are going to go. Yep. Okay. I think we have a good feel for what Arkansas State football is. Like, is it a specific, is it mostly alums? I mean, obviously you're in a state with the Razorbacks and everybody loves Sam Pittman right now, and they're kind of on an upswing a little bit too. Like, how does Arkansas State fit into the uh, the football um, just mindset in the state of Arkansas? I think it's it, well. The state itself is very interesting for people who don't really know. You've got uh, University of Arkansas in the northwest corner of the state, uh, up in Fayetteville. That's sort of its own little region. You've got Jonesboro in the northeast corner. And you've got where I currently am right now in Little Rock, the capital, which is in the middle of the state. It's about three hours to the northwest, two hours to the northeast. And so there are plenty of fans, as much as they are situated in those specific communities and really connected to those teams. There are fans in Little Rock. There are fans all over the state that commute to those corners of the state to go watch their teams. And so it's an interesting group. I think there are plenty of fans who might tell you that they that they're, that they're Arkansas State alums who – also root for Arkansas because there aren't professional teams here. So, you know, yeah. they might get get to enjoy a little bit of both. And 
Uh, Butch Jones has made it a big thing where, you know, they're playing. They have a game for the first time in a really, really, really long time scheduled for 2025 between Arkansas State and Arkansas that will be played up in Fayetteville. But that's the first time these teams have played in forever. Um, and so Man, I'm, I'm searching my database. I don't see any games. Yeah. What's going I, on? Ne- Arkansas, never Arkansas State. What's happening? That, that, well, that's a lot of, you can, you, that's something to take up with the, with the Arkansas crowd. There was a lot of, for a long time, Arkansas, University of Arkansas refused to play in state opponents in lots of sports. So that's something that they've always oh, done. What's up, um, Arkansas? So, Come on, Arkansas. All right. Let's, let's, let's dial in in Arkansas. Arkansas athletic director, I don't know who it is, is joining us. No, that'd be great. How good would that be? That'd be yeah, it was great. Hunter, 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 Hunter Urichek, uh, get him on the pod. Um, so we're an Ohio State podcast, but we're going to get to the bottom of why Arkansas <laughs> refuses to play in-state opponents. So that's good. So 2025, it's on the books. Oh. It's on the books. And so one of the things that Butch Jones has tried to do is say, hey, you can be fans of both teams. When we play each other, you know, go be a fan of your team by all means. But you can root for Arkansas. You can root for the Red Wolves. Now, I don't know that there are a ton of people, especially especially within the Arkansas State community, who feel that way. Yeah. Uh, they, I think a lot of them feel like the little sister, and probably rightly so, given the way that uh, you know the, the fan bases are balanced statewide. But it's a – Jonesboro is a it's, a – it's definitely a smaller town, but it's a really good community. Um, I love it when I get to go up there and um, – the, pe- the people there, you know, they, I mean, that's their team. I mean, they're close to Memphis, yes. Um, I think there are a lot of them that will tell you they're Grizzlies fans and they enjoy, they enjoy Memphis, but Arkansas State is their football team. They're not, they're not Memphis football fans. So that's sort of what the fan base looks like. And, yeah, they're playing, but it's, but it's not just in Jonesboro. It's, it's statewide. All right, now I want Ja on the sideline in Columbus. Can we get Ja Morant to come to the Arkansas State Ohio, put that on your list, Mitchell. Yeah. You have to ask Arkansas, what's the deal? I, Why I don't will, they play and get job? What I will do is I, I, this, I know we were, we're recording this uh, on May 10th, and I, am, I will be in Memphis tomorrow night, May 11th, for game five of Warriors-Grizzlies. So you guys will probably know what has already happened in the series by then. Probably the Warriors have finished it off in five games. But uh, if I see Jerome Morant tomorrow night, I will be sure to ask him. Everybody loves Ja. Nobody, there's nobody who doesn't like Ja Morant. The two NBA players that everybody loves are Giannis and Ja. And everybody else yeah. is like, well, that guy gets on my nerves. There's nothing that Ja Morant does that gets on anybody's nerves. He is unbelievable. My, I, he is would, such a joy add, to watch. Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. I would, if, if, I, if I could add two guys to that list, I would add my two guys to watch who I don't think anyone really complains about. One, Steph Curry, just incredibly fun to watch. I know, I know there are people that don't like the Warriors, but mm. I, I, I find him very fun to watch. And uh, but no, this is an audio podcast, but over my shoulder is my Philadelphia. Nope, that shoulder is my Philadelphia pod. Nope, oh, that one. Joel. My Philadelphia poster, Joel Embiid. Uh, yeah. Sixers fan. So uh, I think, no, I th- but uh, he's, not, he's not nearly as likable as Giannis. No. No, Giannis is one, and I think Ja is two. Uh, and then Curry... People used to only love Steph Curry, but it's not that they don't love him anymore, but like the weird shoes and and I know I'm talking to a Cleveland crowd or somewhat of a Cleveland crowd and a Cavaliers. And I, I know there's going to be some resentment. I get that, but I, I just find, I find, I find him fun to watch. I do think Evan Mobley could actually get there. Cause I think Evan Mobley for the Cavs plays in a way that It'll, is like really enticing and he's, 
really good defensively and he's really smart and he's like kind of different than a lot of other people with the big guy who moves the way he does. Right. So I think if, if when the Cavs start doing some stuff, if, and when they start doing some stuff in the playoffs and he gets more of a national exposure, but jaw, man, I'm kind of probably too, too old and lame um, to wear a John Morant Jersey, but I'd wear a John Morant Jersey. And so let's get him to the game and have John, why John Morant loves Arkansas state football. Make yeah. that, that'd be a great story yeah. for you. When I you mean, go, try to go. When you go to the game, which you've already gone to, as people listen to this, see if you can ask, get a question into Jaw. Like, Jaw, I know you just had 51 points against the Warriors, but what do you think about Arkansas State football? I want exactly. you to ask that question. And then press I mean, look for me. I, I, would, I am just as excited for the game um, in, in Columbus because there are multiple guys who I want to see. Number one, uh, as an Eagles fan, I'm very curious to watch C.J. Stroud in person. I am already scouting out quarterbacks. Not to rule out Jalen Hurts, but I'm wow. already scouting out quarterbacks. But number two, more importantly for me, I am thrilled to get to watch Jackson Smith and Jigba again. He's a guy who I saw play at Rockwell High School in Dallas when I was oh. interning for the Dallas Morning News in 2019 during his senior season when he was chasing all of the Texas high school football records with Marvin Mims. And he is was absolutely one of my favorite players to interview down there. One of my abs- – I mean, far and away, one of the most entertaining players to watch because he, you, you knew he was going out there and making a draw-dropping catch every Friday night. And it's really, really cool for me to watch, you know, watch him from afar now and see him do what he's doing at Ohio State. Well, on that note, we'll take a quick break here on Buckeye Talk and come back and talk a little bit more about Mitchell's experience with Jackson Smith and Jigba and then get into some of the players in Arkansas State that are going to matter in this week two matchup next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice back with Mitchell Gladstone of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks again for your time, Mitchell. So I want to I dig in a little bit here on Jackson Smith and Jigba before we uh, move on. I, he had, his stats were bazonkers. What was it like watching his games? Did they, like, force feed him the ball? Was he mossing people? Was he double teamed? Was it What was it like? Because that guy caught everything in high school, right? Yeah, so I'm – just thinking back to my very first game, which was 2019, August, I had just arrived in Dallas. I'd never been in Dallas. And I was told I'm going out to Rockwall to see Rockwall versus Highland Park. Highland Park is a powerhouse program, uh, has, has a you know, legendary coach. Um, and I go out in Rockwall and I knew that it was going to be a shootout. I did not realize that it was going to be a game that featured Jerry Jones helicopter flying in to see his, his grandson, uh, before the game the helicopter comes in over top of the stadium. And then I think it was something like a 60 to 59 type game. My and, God. Ja- and Jackson, I think had something like three touchdowns and, 300 something yards. I mean, like you said, uh, force feed would be maybe an understatement. I mean, there was no reason not to get him the ball. He was far and away their best player and everybody knew it and you couldn't stop him. He's making jaw dropping catches, um, one handed catches. I was not there for the, uh, the legendary, you know, one hand over the shoulder that he pulled in. Um, nor were they there for the, game that he had in the playoffs when they upset Allen and went into multiple overtimes, but he was just a guy who, 
I mean, just lit it up every single time. And so I just knew, okay, every time I'm getting to see Rockwall, it's going to be a blast. Um, th- their, their whole team was fun. They had a lot, they had a, se- several other good guys, but it was all about Jackson and everybody knew it then. Um, and so just, yeah, I mean, that was, that whole, that whole experience was incredible. Uh, and especially to, you know, he, he and Marvin Mims, uh, Oklahoma receiver, um, both of them are you know, going to be probably first round picks in next year's draft. Um, they were chasing the same all time yardage record in Texas and everyone thought Jackson was going to get it. And then on the very last day of the season, when they both got eliminated in the state quarterfinals or semifinals, uh, Marvin Mims swooped in and took the record. And so if you go look at the record books, uh, they were going back and forth. Uh, Mims is one, Jackson Smith and Jake was two. And they're best friends. So we, we ended up giving them uh, Offensive Player of the Year together, which was really, really cool. And uh, it's kind of amazing for me now being – you know, this old 26 year old guy. I know I'm not that old. Let's not, let's not, you know, litigate that, but, you know, being this old guy who covered high schools a couple years ago in Dallas and seeing these, you know, kids just tear it up in college. It's amazing. I could be your dad, Mitchell. So let's just, let's be clear about who's. Yeah. Yeah. No, again, I, I, I I tell myself all the time. I'm not actually that old, but you know, my, my, my 26th birthday is next week. And it's it, I'm, you're not I'm, even 26 you're calling yourself old at 26 you're not even 26 i feel like i'm getting close to 30 and then i go yeah i'm not that old but i also don't like thinking even thinking of the idea of being 30 so i also feel like i'm close to 30 i'm just 19 years yeah, that's good it. that's you know what that's good if you can if you can maintain that approach in life that's the right way to be i feel like um, i have the i have the brain and the personality of like a 25 year old on the body of a 90 year old so makes for interesting times. All right, let's talk about Arkansas State football. Who's the quarterback? James Blackman played some last year, right? Is he the guy threw for 300 yards in the spring game? Is that right? Is he the guy? But there's also a freshman QB who's going to be playing in Columbus. Yeah, so it's going to be James Blackman unless something changes over the summer. James Blackman was, for those who may remember the name, was a highly recruited player out of uh, South Florida ended up going and starting his career at Florida state had a very much up and down four years at Florida state uh, started a couple years, came off the bench a couple years, never could really hold on to the job came to Arkansas state as a transfer last year. He and Butch Jones had had a, an existing relationship from when Jones was the coach at Tennessee and had recruited him initially came in last year, won the job in camp over Lane Hatcher Somewhat controversially, Lane Hatcher, as I mentioned before, is an all-time high school player in the state of Arkansas, played at Pulaski Academy under Kevin Kelly, the coach who never punts. And so he piled up numbers in high school. And so Lane Hatcher is a bit of a revered figure um, in Little Rock and around the state. And so uh, he had been in a couple quarterback battles, ended up losing the job to James Blackman last year. Uh, Blackman comes out, struggles in week one, gets benched in the first game of the season. Lane Hatcher comes back and leads them or comes in and leads them to a comeback victory in a game against an FCS opponent. Lane Hatcher starts the next game. He struggles, gets benched. James Blackman comes in. Blackman then holds on to the job for most of the rest of the season uh, until he is injured midway through the year. Lane Hatcher finishes out the year. Lane Hatcher then transfers to Texas state this off season and so right now it is James Blackman's job. Arkansas State has a true freshman quarterback, Jackson Daly, who 
is in the mix to be a backup. They've brought in another uh, transfer from Miami, Ohio, who could be in the mix. Uh, I could potentially foresee them grabbing another guy out of the portal. But right now, barring something unforeseen, it will be Jay's Blackman's job. And look, he's got the talent. He's got potential. But he's been in college. I think this is now his sixth year. And he's never really been able to put it together. I still remain skeptical that it's going to happen this year. Arkansas State's offensive line has some real issues. They are very young. They are very inexperienced. And if they can't hold up, I think James Blackman's going to have a really hard time showing what talent he had and still has um, because they've got a solid defense and they've got some good pieces around him. But if the offensive line isn't there, I think there are going to be some real issues for what Arkansas State is trying to do offensively. I did not know this was the Florida State James Blackman. This is the Florida State. James he was Blackman. like, he was kind of in the mix. Like he was a real dude there for mm-hmm. a while. Just looking up something on him. They said he had four different head coaches and six different play callers in his time yeah. at Florida State. So it's like, oh yeah, it didn't go great there. You think? Not his fault. Florida State's been a mess. Now he might have. You know, they had some quarterback issues and they had some quarterback injuries. But I I remember, like, he's played in some big games. I think he has something. He's like the 10th all-time in touchdown passes at Florida State. This is from a talent perspective, right? I mean, this is about – this is what the best Arkansas State could hope for in terms and of a guy with skills at QB. And that's why I feel a little bit guilty sitting here being skeptical of James Blackman because the talent has always been there. There's never been a question of that. He was, you know, people say stars don't matter. Stars do matter. He's they a do. highly recruited guy. He went to Florida State. Like you said, he had so much turnover. That program was a mess. He's never really been able to sustain anything. He comes in last year and he gets hurt halfway through the season. So I, there's part of me that says, okay, maybe this guy has the potential to put it all together when he's got some stability. He's got a, the same head coach for a second year. He's got the same offensive play caller for a second year. He's got a lot of these pieces on offense around him that are back for a second year. Now he's granted he's down his top receiver from last year and um, Arkansas state's leading running back. Although running back was very much a challenge. Rushing offense was uh, bad. That's still probably an overstatement, but it was bad last year. So there's definitely some stuff to work on, but if he puts it together, like you said, it's about as good as Arkansas State could do. And so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also still skeptical. Yeah, we are in this weird crop of guys who just with the COVID year and red shirts and injuries, the fact that he's going to be a sixth year player. But you know what? Like there are some teams that won a lot of games last year with old players. So mm-hmm. this is I'm now now I'm now I'm intrigued because now I figured out what's happening, which is why this is why you're on, bitch, because I wasn't going to figure this out on my own. Oh, it's that James Blackman. So that's a real dude at quarterback. He he if he's healthy in week two and he doesn't have a competition to worry about in August, he can get all the reps. He can be settled in the job. Then you think, I mean, is James Blackman going to come and beat Ohio State? No, but that's an interesting guy. Are there skill guys? Didn't some guy have 100 receiving yards in the spring game? Is there a skill guy who has a chance to threaten Ohio State as well? So that's sort of where I'm very curious to see how things shake out. So like I said, Arkansas State's leading running back last year, leading in air quotes, because 
I think he only had about 500 yards with Lincoln Perry, um, local, you know, relatively local kid from just outside Memphis. He transferred to go follow Wade Hatcher to Texas State. So they're down there. Their leading receiver from last year, Corey Rucker, who was a very good young prospect um, out of Mississippi, he transferred. He's now at South Carolina. So Arkansas State is trying to find new guys, but they have Tavalence Hunt, who has been talked about very much and did not play in the spring game. He had a knee injury, but he is a former TCU uh, recruit who has shown flashes of what he can do at outside receiver. They've got several young tight ends who have, you know, shown what, I mean, they played last year. One of them, Emmanuel Stevenson played as a true freshman and was, I think among their top five receivers or pass catchers last year. So, you know, they've got some young pieces around him and that's where I think that's where I say, okay, if James Blackman has the time to put in a lot of reps with these guys over the off season, you can see a real jump, but it's still one of those things where I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And uh, I'll be curious to see what other guys fill in the spots. Johnny Lang was a transfer running back out of Iowa state. He came in uh, seemingly has now won the number one job. Um, He took most of the reps in the spring game. And now that Lincoln Perry transferred, Johnny Lang will be the guy. So they've got, like, like we said, a bunch of transfer guys. Um, and that's been part of the way that Butch Jones has wanted to rebuild this program is getting young transfers, not necessarily mm. guys who are going to be plug and play immediately guys. Some of them had to play last year because that's really all Arkansas state had in talent wise. And they were the best guys that were here, but those are guys who are now going to be in their second year will be here for a third year in the program. Some of them are even going to be there for a fourth year in the program. And that's the way that I think Bush Jones is going to initially rebuild it. And then he's going to go stock up with a bunch of high school guys. And that's the direction that the program ultimately wants to head. Defensively, is there a certain style they'll play? They throw five DBs. Do they blitz a lot? They play. I mean, what do they do? Is there a, a signature to this defense? So, a name that Ohio State fans may be familiar with is Rob Harley. Rob Harley oh, yeah. is the defensive coordinator at Arkansas State, having been oh, at, look at, at you. Pitt. Yeah, oh, I have to write this stuff down. Rob Harley, he's Chick Harley's like great grandson. Yeah, I remember exactly. Rob Harley. I covered Rob Harley here. So Rob, Rob Harley, Har- the defensive coordinator. Hey, can we not? Don't tell anybody else from Ohio about this. I want to get the jump on everybody to write this story. I might have to cut this part out of the pod. Does anyone else know this? Do you know if anyone else knows this? Or just do you and I, are we the only two people who knows that Rob Harley is from Ohio and is the defensive coordinator Look, for Arkansas State? I mean, you can write the story. I wrote the story last year. So oh, you I'm already gonna... wrote it? Great. Thanks, Mitchell. Well, great. Then I guess I but, can't write it. You already wrote it. Um, but Rob Harley is in his second year as a full-time defensive coordinator after coming from Pitt. So I think he is still figuring out exactly what he wants to do on defense. They played – Last year, a lot of, like you said, five DBs, more or less. But I think we are starting to see the identity of Arkansas State's defense because the big thing that they did this year was Kevon Bennett, who I mentioned earlier, who is the son of former NFL player Cornelius Bennett, started at at Tennessee uh, as a linebacker. 
uh, was dismissed from the program after a gun charge and drug charge, took some time away and came to Arkansas State last year. Now, when he arrived, he was told that he was going to be playing defensive end. That is because Arkansas State did not have very much depth at defensive end. So that's where he started last year and played as an edge rusher. He played more than 90% of the stats, which is just absurd for a defensive end. No defensive end should be playing that much if you want to have a good defense. That is why Arkansas State was second to last in defensive yards allowed Ooh. in all of FBS behind, uh, only ahead of my alma mater, too. So oh. not a not a great year for you football defense. You are terrible at defense, Mitchell. What uh, is happening? But, my God. But uh, the, so what happened this offseason was Arkansas State had always planned to move Kevon Bennett back to outside linebacker where his dad played, where he's got potential as an NFL player. So Kevon Bennett is now an outside linebacker. They've added a pair of transfers. One of them is Blaine Toll, who is an in-state kid that started at, at Arkansas, then went to Colorado, now came back to Arkansas of a state to play at Arkansas State. And so he will be taking one of the defensive end spots, most likely. Um, although he did not play a ton in spring ball, I think he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. They've got another transfer from Louisville who was in the program last year. He's got part of the defensive end rotation. And then they've added King Mokuda, who was a reserve for Alabama last year, basically played in the national championship game and was in Jonesboro within a matter of days. Mm. He's going to be on the other end of the defensive line, almost certainly. So you've got those guys. Um, you've got another transfer from Tennessee who came in last year at defensive tackle. They've got a ton of guys up front. They've now got a real defensive line. Then behind that King Mokuda, or sorry, Kevon Bennett will be at outside linebacker with uh, a Houston transfer, Jordan Carmouche. So they've really, really reloaded this defense um, with guys, some of whom, like Carmouche and Bennett, only have one year of eligibility remaining, but other guys like Blaine Toll and King Wakuda, who have multiple years of eligibility and are going to be starting to establish the identity of what this defense is going to be. So you're going to see really a true 4-3. They've got a hybrid linebacker who – came in from Canada after basically not playing at like not having any real recruitment sort of came in as a recommendation from uh, John Mechie, who's another oh. Canadian and an, a friend of Butch Jones from when they were at Alabama came to Arkansas state literally a week before camp grabbed a spot and then ended up playing meaningful minutes as a sort of a hybrid linebacker safety. He's now pretty much a full-time linebacker. So all that said, you're mostly going to see a true 4-3 is what I think you're going to see from Arkansas State. They're going to get after the passer um, with some real ends. I will be curious to see if they can stop the run. They couldn't do it last year. They got gashed a lot. I think that's still going to be a problem, but maybe they'll prove me wrong. And then on the back end, they've got some young corners, and then they added Eddie Smith, safety transfer, played at Illinois last year, was at Alabama before that. He's someone who has added sort of instant maturity on the back end. And so there are a lot of pieces where I think this defense can take a step up. Do I think that means they're going to slow down Ohio State? No. I think Ohio State is going to do something similar to what Washington did and probably put up 50 points in that game because Ohio State's offense is really good and Arkansas State's defense still probably isn't all that good. 
But I think when you look at what Arkansas State is going to do on defense this year, it's going to be a massive step up from last year. That was a really low bar, but it's going to be a massive step up. King Makuda, he was the number 158 overall player in the class of 2019. Commit to Alabama. Like, that's that's a real dude. Again, and did it work great at Alabama? No, it seems like he played mostly special teams. But there's some talent in there. And that's a combination of, like I said, and you know, it all comes back to Butch Jones, you know, established guy. He was at Alabama, so you obviously get to be around a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches, you know, I, you know, everyone referred to it as coaching rehab, but guys come in and out there. So you built, you know, he was there for three years, so he definitely established a lot of relationships. And then he got guys like King Wakuda who was at Alabama and wanted to come play at Arkansas State because of Butch Jones especially. So that's part of how this program is going to get rebuilt is they're going to recruit well. Uh, Butch Jones, you know, he recruited really, really well at Tennessee, recruited really well at Cincinnati for a group of five program. I don't think that's going to be a problem at Arkansas State. And then now that you have the transfer portal, that's another piece that they can do. And that's where I think Arkansas State with Butch Jones has a huge advantage on a lot of these other Sunbelt teams is, like you said, they've been really good in the past. They've got good facilities. They've got a, a name brand coach. Those are things that help you recruit really well. Who knows if it translates to the field? We're, we're going to have to see. But those are the pieces that you have to start building um, a program and building back to what Arkansas State has been. I'll be curious. Butch Jones, Michigan guy, grew up in Michigan, went to Ferris State in Michigan, coached at Central Michigan. That's where he sort of started his career as an assistant, got his first head coaching job there, then went to Tennessee. It'll be interesting if he would come up into the Midwest and maybe try to compete with some Mac schools for some guys in the Midwest and say, hey, listen, man, like, I get it. Maybe you're not getting offered by Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State, but if you're thinking, think of that next level, come down to Arkansas, do something different. Come to Arkansas State. Don't go to Toledo. Maybe make some inroads. So I think it's, it's, it's interesting you say that. I think Arkansas State, I give them credit because they've been very, very specific with their recruiting. They've mm. basically said, okay, uh, number one, there's a market inefficiency in Memphis. Like I said, Memphis is only about an hour's drive from Jonesboro, and there's a ton of talent in the Memphis and Tennessee areas. So they've really, really, really honed in on Memphis, Tennessee, uh, going further east, uh, you know, out towards Nashville, those areas. That's number one. Um, they've also started going back to Georgia, which mm. is a obviously a huge recruiting bed. And they have coaches with ties, which Jones had experience from Alabama, from Tennessee. He understands that part of the country really well. And there are another piece of it is there are direct flights from Atlanta to Memphis. And so Mm. they've sort of tried to make that as a little bit of a, you know, your parents can come really easily visit you. Plus there are, like you said, Sunbelt schools out in Georgia Southern, Georgia State. Now you're going to have Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State. So I think those are really the two areas that they started to target. And they're going to specifically stick with those. I think you could see him maybe go up into the Midwest potentially, but I think they're going to try to stick with those two areas as the keys. And then maybe eventually if Arkansas state can get back to the level where it was, then you can say, Oh, you know, well, you want to come play for a really good group of five program. Yeah. You can come to Arkansas state, but I think they're going to sort of keep the focus tight first and try to have success in a few areas. 
Words to live by, Mitchell. Keep your focus tight, man. You're a young man, young sports writer in the business. Keep your focus tight. Interesting game. I'm in, I'm more intrigued. You did your job. I'm more, I personally, and I'm, I think I speak for our listeners. I'm more intrigued about Arkansas State now than I was before this podcast. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's if you it's, get it's, you it's, couple, a couple transfers on defense from big time schools, you got a shot to do something, right? You got a shot to do something. It's, it's a team that I, you know, I went into last year and I don't think I really, really had any expectations for what they were going to be. Um, I was, curious what Bush Jones was going to be. I did not think they were going to be nearly as bad as they were. But I look at this season and I say, this is a team that is probably not going to compete for a Sunbelt title. Okay. But can they, can they get back to, I mean, look, four wins, making a, a four win jump is huge in college football. And I don't think it's out of the question to go look at Arkansas State and say they can make a four-win jump and get back to a bowl game. I mean, mm. is that is that the bare minimum for success for this team? Yeah, probably getting to a bowl game is, you know, when you've competed for Sunbelt titles within the last decade, you know, saying, oh, let's just get to a bowl game. Like, that's probably a, a low bar. But when you're coming from a two-win team that was just horrific defensively, uh, and incredibly frustrating and such a challenge last year in so many levels. Getting back to a bowl game would be a huge step forward for this program. So that's what I would say. And, I, and that's not even really looking at the schedule. Like you said, you know, you probably got a, a built-in loss at with Ohio State, but you know, they play UMass, so you can get a win there. Um, you've got some winnable games in the Sun Belt. I don't – Memphis is going to be a, a challenging game, and it's on the road this year. They lost to Memphis at home. So – but that's a winnable game, and all of a sudden you start to put together the pieces of a team that, okay, can they get the six wins? Yeah, I think it's feasible. And so that's what I look at Arkansas State this, this season and say, that's intriguing. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's intriguing, and I'm really curious to, to follow it and see and, uh, you know – it's going to be a very interesting open this season. You open versus Grambling State at home. And then the next week you're uh, up in Columbus. And that's going to be a challenge, to say the least. Two people very intrigued about Arkansas State football this year. Mitchell Gladstone, Ja Morant. Fired up. Ja's feeling it. So, Ja, we'll see, Ja. Maybe you guys could carpool. You think you'll drive? Will you drive or fly? To Columbus. Uh, I will be. I will be driving. I will yeah. enjoy my. I will, I, I will enjoy my road trip. I ask. Didn't get to, ask Jaw. Just pick up. Tell Jaw you'll just come right through Memphis and pick him up, and then yeah, you guys can stop sure. it. Yeah. Get some. I, what, 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 what is what's what's on the way? I, I've 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 only. I will say I've only been to my only experience in Columbus is we stopped when I was at Duke. We did a road trip from Durham to South Bend because mm. I was in the band. So I was also in the band there. So we did a road trip from Durham to South Bend and we drove eight hours, basically through the night, got to Columbus, got to our hotel, slept for like five hours, got back on the road, drove to South Bend, uh, went to the game, got back on the bus and drove back to Columbus, stayed at the same hotel and then drove back the next day to Durham. So that's my experience with Columbus. So I don't really know what's on the way from Little Rock. Looks like you go, you go right through uh, uh, Louisville and Cincinnati. All right. Well, Yeah, I, I, 
we'll, we can uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll create some interesting opinions when I stop in Cincinnati and get Skyline. Now listen, don't oh I, we can't talk about Skyline on this podcast. Good luck. Some people love I mean, it. I mean, it's I mean, not I, for me. It's probably not for me. I don't know. I've never done it, but I, I think I have to do it. You, you probably have to try it, and then you, we'll we'll check in with you after the game and see what you think. Uh, just be careful when you're driving. Nine hours. It's a long day. Don't push yourself because remember, you will have an NBA superstar in the car with you and you've got to keep him safe. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I'll, I'll keep an eye on him. I know I, I have a lot of Grizzlies fans in my life yeah. uh, that would be very disappointed in me if I did anything to uh, put their superstar in danger. Because, I mean, frankly, nobody cares that much what happens to you, Mitchell. We're sports writers. Nobody cares about us. No, 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 nobody, no, no, nobody, nobody cares about my, my parents, my girlfriend. So, like, yeah. that's like what, you know, six, seven people. This is total, John maybe. Morant. This is yeah, Jaha Morant. Please be careful. Uh, all right. He's Mitchell Gladstone. If people want to follow you, get next. You know, hey, I'm an Ohio State fan. I want to know what's going on with Arkansas State. What's your Twitter account? How can they keep track of what you're writing down there? Yeah. So you can follow me at MP Gladstone. That's M-P-G-L-A-D-S-T-O-N-E. That's on Twitter. Uh, and you can also follow all of my stuff for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Our website is Arkansas Online. O-N-L-I-N-E. And uh, yeah, so we've got all of our stuff there. I try to post most of my stuff on Twitter as well. So, you know, if you don't want to go find there, you can just check out my Twitter page and we will have lots of Arkansas State coverage as the summer gets going. Um, Still lots of stuff coming up with the AD. You want to know about the new AD for Alabama? I'm working on that right now. So lots of stuff always going on at Arkansas State. Never dull. Never dull. Uh, Mitchell Gladstone, never dull. John Morant. Never dull. It's one of the things Mitchell and Ja have in common. Mitchell, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on Buckeye Talk. Thanks for having me. It was really, really awesome. And we will be back after this to wrap up week two, Ohio State versus Arkansas State. All right, back to wrap this up. Listen, this this could have been a much more real game than it's going to be for Ohio State. This, this, this is an Arkansas State team that when they've played the best teams recently, Georgia, Bama, Washington, they're losing by 40, 45 points. So Ohio State's going to win this game. When this game was scheduled in August of 2019, Arkansas State was coming off an 8-5 and five year and about to go 8-5 and five again in 2019. And then 20 and 21, Arkansas State falls off. So when Ohio State schedules this and agrees to pay to 1.8 million, they think they're getting one of the better Sunbelt teams. So let's just imagine this. Again, at the time it's scheduled, Coastal Carolina at that time is nobody. Coastal Carolina in August 2019 is coming off a five and seven season and about to have another five and seven season. And they're about to in 2019 have their first season under Jamie Chadwell. Last two years, Coastal Carolina, 2020, 11 and one. Last year, 11 and two. 2020, Coastal Carolina finished 14th in the AP poll, got as high as nine at one point that year. Last season, got as high as 14th in the AP poll. The world was in love with Coastal Carolina. Now, that was nuts. If you actually ever thought Coastal Carolina was the 14th best team in the country, you should have your AP vote taken away. But I get it. I used to vote weird on the AP poll, too. Imagine if Coastal Carolina was coming to Columbus in week two. They have Grayson McCall back, who was the Sunbelt player of the year last year. He's their quarterback coming back to Coastal Carolina. That's what this could have been. When Ohio State scheduled Arkansas State, I think that's what Ohio State thought it was getting. Now, App State's been there. They're really good. App State, a couple years ago, had a coach who was there for a year, went to Missouri. 
Billy Napier was in the Sun Belt last year. Billy Napier, who might be the second coming in Nick Saban. Nick Saban disciple was the receivers coach at Alabama for three years. More than that, actually. Absolute Saban disciple. Got it going at Louisiana in the Sun Belt. Jumped straight from Louisiana to Florida. He's Florida's head coach this year. So the Sun Belt sends its best coaches to big-time Power 5 jobs. Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina is going to get one of those, probably at one point when he wants one. That's what this could have been. This could have been huge coaching star on the rise coming to Columbus with stars in his eyes off 10 win seasons. That's what Ohio State actually was like willing to do. The Sun Belt is the second or third best group of five conference, better than the MAC. It's better football than the MAC. Better than Conference USA. American, the American's the best. Although then Cincinnati, everybody's going to leave the American. This is pretty good football. And so this is an interesting game for Ohio State to take. It's this mid-tier game. Notre Dame, major non-conference national opponent. Then like your Mac school. And this is the, they kind of wanted to hit some of these in-between games. And this is like an in-between game. It just turns out it's a pretty, and. Eh, in between game because of where Arkansas State is as a program. But it could have been really different. Imagine if this was Coastal Carolina coming in off consecutive 11 win seasons with a returning quarterback who is a Sun Belt player of the year. So that's where we are. This is going to be like a 40 point game. The line's going to be like 40. The line will be like 42. So, you know, it's one of those things. This would be an unbelievable, gigantic upset. App State, Appalachian State, not in the Sun Belt when it beat Michigan in 2007. But, you know, it would be on that level. So it's not going to happen. But I think it's a reasonably fun week two game. That's kind of that mid-tier game. 1.8, that's no joke, man. You're paying some money. Now, Ohio State pays out $1.8 million and they make whatever it is, $6, $7 million off a home game. So it's worth the money for them. It's also worth the money for Appalachian State to come do this. So Butch Jones will be back, former Cincinnati coach. You know, as far as non-conference opponents go that aren't big-time national games, it's not a bad game. We'll have a couple guys but Ohio State will should have absolutely no problem against Arkansas State in week two. Next week, or next time we do this, I'm not sure. We might accelerate it a little bit. I don't want to just drop previews on you guys like four or five months ahead of time. But depending what the pod schedule turns out to be, the next one is going to be week three. It's going to be Toledo. And we're not just going to talk about Toledo football. The plan is to have on two old friends of the pod, Kyle Rowland and Dave Briggs from the Toledo Blade. And we might have an Urban Meyer conversation. We might have an Urban Meyer conversation because, of course, he got his start as a head coach at Bowling Green right down the road from Toledo. Where is Toledo football? Have a little Mac football conversation. But we're going to have some big picture conversations about Urban Meyer, I think, as part of that, because why not? And then after that, week four, the first Big Ten game, that's Wisconsin. That'll be fun. I already got that one lined up. So we appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. We'll start dropping in some more old Nathan pods. Nathan out uh, with his baby, with little Bennett. But we pre-recorded a bunch of stuff. You'll hear one of those coming up next. We've got big plans, big plans, big plans coming ahead on Buckeye Talk. For now, thanks to Mitchell Gladstone for talking to Arkansas State with us. I'm Doug LaMaurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.